Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. In this atmosphere of praise, the presence of God that is here, I want you to get your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 2 Kings. Amen. 2 Kings chapter 3. Amen. And it does to this preacher, it feels good to have all of you back together again. Amen, whether that means here in front of me where I can see you, and I know there are some of you online. Amen, we love this church, love you guys, love all of you. Thank you for your prayers, words of encouragement, your faithfulness. Amen, we've stuck through some things. I wish I could tell you that I thought it was all over. I think we're still going to have some more to endure. But I think we've made, if we made it through what we've been through, we can make it through whatever we got left to go through. Amen. Amen. So thank you all for being faithful. Uh, I do want to say this. There was uh, one individual, two individuals that we, in, in the list of those that kind of went above and beyond. I know Sister Mace is not here any longer. She is uh, all, all good, but she is um, uh, part of a leadership team in Faith Alive up in Mechanicsville. Amen. All of that was done, or Brandywine rather, all of that was done Communication was proper. It was not a bad thing. It was, I mean, certainly we didn't want her to go, but we prayed about it. She felt like it was good. I felt like it was okay. So we, we blessed her and gave her permission. But she helped us with our children's ministry uh, for the first half of everything that went on. And even though she's not here today, I do want to honor Sister Mace and thank her for all of her efforts, all of her work. Amen. And then Sister Plager. Sister Plager is, well, I know her husband is known as the mighty lion. Amen. But the lion can't be mighty if he doesn't have a sidekick beside him that is equally mighty. Sister Plager, we want to thank you because in this time of transition, you have been a key player in that, helping us to make that transition. Every one of our Zoom children's calls, I, you know, Dakota was on there and I heard you encouraging our children. We want to say thank you, Sister Plager. We love you. We appreciate all that you do for living hope. Amen? Amen. All right, 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 13. And Elisha said unto the king of Israel, What have I to do with thee? Amen. What do I have to do with thee? Get thee to the prophets of thy father, to the prophets of thy mother. The king of Israel said unto him, Nay, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I wouldn't pay you any mind. I wouldn't look toward thee nor see thee. But now bring me a minstrel. Bring me a musician. Bring me a praise leader. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon the prophet the prophet said thus saith the Lord make this valley full of ditches for thus saith the Lord you shall not see wind neither shall you see rain 
Yet the valley shall be filled with water that you might drink both ye and your cattle and your beasts. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites also into your hand and you shall smite every fenced city and every choice city and shall fell every good tree stop all wells of water and mar every good piece of land with stones. And it came to pass in the morning when the meat offering was offered that behold there came water by the way of Edom and the country was filled with water. And when all the Moabites heard that the kings were come up to fight against them, they gathered all that were able to put on armor and upward and stood in the border. The Moabites rose up early in the morning as the sun shone upon the water. The Moabites saw the water on the other side as red as blood. And they said, this is blood. The kings are surely slain and they have smitten one another. Now therefore, Moab, to the spoil. Amen. Now therefore, Moab, to the spoil. And I want to ask this church, every individual that is here today, this preaching from the Word of God, I want to ask you this question, simply this, can you dig it? Amen. Ask your neighbor, can you dig it? Amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. This chapter... 2 Kings chapter 3 may be most known and most referenced for one particular phrase that is found in the 11th verse. I'll pause and say hello to the Cruz family. Israel, Francine, good to see you all visiting with us from the greatest pastor in Virginia Beach, Pastor Chad Douglas. Good to have you guys with us today. This chapter, 2 Kings 3, is most referenced and probably if you were to do a search on sermons from 2 Kings chapter 3, you would find most sermons are referenced from one particular phrase found in the 11th verse. And it's here that the prophet Elisha is introduced by a servant to the king of Israel and the king of Judah, the king of Edom, as the one who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Here, the three kingdoms of Israel, Judah and Edom, are advancing together to attack the Moabites who have withdrawn on a peace agreement with Israel. Because they have reneged on an agreement that was made, Israel has made alliance with Judah and with Edom, principally because they have to pass through their lands to get to the Moabites, so they enter into a covenant with them. And now as these three armies advance through the wilderness of Edom, they come upon a devastating discovery. Their supplies of water have been depleted. Verse number 9 tells us that there is no water for the army, neither for the beasts that followed them. And as my wife so profoundly and prophetically declared last week, the presence of water in the Old Testament is a proclamation of God's blessing and favor. When there is water, God is happy. Amen. When rain falls from, from heaven, the blessing of God is upon you. Amen. Water in the Old Testament was a sure sign of God's blessing and His favor. Droughts and prolonged periods without rain were the antecedent of famine. They were the unmistakable fingerprint of God's judgment upon a nation. So rain was a sign of God's favor 
and a lack of rain was a sign of God being displeased with the nation. The presence of water would be interpreted as favor or at least approval from God. The absence of rain or of water would be a sign or an omen that God is against us or against this endeavor. And now as the allied armies proceed through the wilderness of Edom, a difficult march to make even when there was water, they make their way through a wilderness that is marked by pathways winding through steep and treacherous mountains and across an arid desert they're making their way even with plenty of water it's a dangerous journey to make yet now seven days into their march to Moab they come to realize that they have no water and when the news of no water reaches Joram the king of Israel he immediately ascertains we are all going to die amen Tell your neighbor, we're all going. That was not a prophetic word. Amen. We are all going to die. The king of Israel, Joram, says he finds we're seven days into this journey just to get back to water. It's another seven-day march. If we continue going, we're going to die in the wilderness. And so because of a lack of water and understanding that means that God is against us, he comes to the conclusion that God brought us this way just to die. We are all going to die. I want to tell this congregation and those that join me online today, be aware of the we are all going to die mentality. Beware of the mindset that says because of whatever has come against us uh, that everybody's going to die, that we're not going to make it out of this, uh, that there's no way we can get through this. Uh, I want to tell you today you need to beware of the Joram mentality. Only once in the history of humanity up until this point has any one person really had the ability to say we're all going to die and be accurate and that was Noah. But even in the day of Noah, God said not everybody's going to die because I've made an ark and the righteous will get on the ark and the righteous will remain. I wish I could preach it stronger than I feel it today, but I've come today to tell you, don't abide in the company of Joram. If you've got somebody in your world that's telling you that everybody's going to die, get away from them, get rid of them, get out of their sight, get out of earshot of them. Turn off the news, shut down the internet, whatever you got to do, because Joram will kill you in the wilderness. Joram will cause you to die in the wilderness. Don't abide in the company of Joram. Cut off association and silence the influence of those in your life that are quick to agree with negativity. Five amens and a lot of omis. Silence those in your life that are quick to agree with negativity. 
those that are quick to pledge their allegiance to the death angel. Amen. I want to tell you today, if there's a Joram in your world, if there's a Joram that you have made association with, if there's a Joram that you're in allegiance with, or an alliance with, rather, I want to encourage you today, the best thing you can do is right away, get Joram out of your world. Get Joram out of your life. Let me quickly bring a little biblical backdrop to the three kings. They're not the three kings that we sing about at Christmas time. These three kings representing three nations that have joined themselves together in a league, if you would, of nations. First, there is the king of Edom. These are the descendants of Esau, the guy who sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. In Romans 9 and 13, God said, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. That's the first king that is represented. It's a king that loves God as long as it doesn't cost him anything. Amen. It's the king of self. It's the king of I want to be in relationship with God as long as I can still have the lust of my flesh. I want to have the birthright as still as I can get the skin right. Amen. I, I, want, to, I want the blessing of God as, I can still, as long as I can still have the blessing of man. That's the first king. The second king is Joram, the king of Israel, who is the descendant of Ahab. In fact, he is the son of Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab who married Jezebel. And the Bible says that Ahab did more to provoke God to anger than any king before him. The son of Jezebel, Joram, is the son of Jezebel who was a preacher slayer and a prophet killer. Joram is a direct descendant of a woman who would rather kill a preacher than listen to what thus saith the Lord. And then we find Jehoshaphat. Amen. The third of these three kings is the king Jehoshaphat. He is the king of Judah. He is a descendant of David. He is five generations removed from a giant slaying psalmist who walked out onto a out into the valley with a, with a sling and five stones and said, Giant, you're coming down. Goliath, your days are numbered. Goliath, who are you to come against my God? And so you've got Esau, you've got the descendant of Esau who is in it for what he wants. You've got the descendant of Ahab and Jezebel who did more to provoke God to anger, who was a preacher killer and a prophet slayer. And then you've got Jehoshaphat who is a descendant of David. And I like the way we transition from verse 10 to verse 11 because just as Joram, the king of Israel, Jezebel's boy, can I tell you that when you have no problem with slaying the preacher with your mouth, when you have no problem with killing the man of God with your tongue, amen, you are quick to marry up with the death angel. You are quick to let a spirit of fear invade your home. When the preacher, if I could say it this way, when the man of God is just another voice in your world, when you put the man of God a little bit lower than CNN, and you put the man of God just a little bit lower than Fox News. 
when the preacher gets up and starts saying you got to have faith and you get offended and you start saying, Pastor, you better be careful because CNN said we got to do this and we got to do that. You are a descendant of Jezebel and you are, amen, you are introducing a spirit of fear into your world. You need to understand today that the man of God in your life is not on the same plane as CNN or Fox News. You better pray you've got a man of God that is hearing from heaven. You better get Joram out of your life. You better get Joram out of your world. Amen. The man of God, the word of God is elevated in my life. Just as Joram, the king of Israel, Jezebel's boy, Ahab's son, is getting into his character. He's getting his, we're all going to die, paranoia all whipped up into a frenzy. The Bible says that Joram says, alas, that word alas is a great cry of alarm. Amen. They're marching along all of a sudden. The news break comes up on the screen and says, we're out of water. And Joram says, ah! We're all going to die. We're all going to die. We're all going to He's just losing his mind. And I thank God for what happens next. Because David's great, great, great grandson steps up and says, shut up, Joram. Amen. You've had your way long enough. You've had the microphone long enough. I want to know who are you a descendant of? Are you a descendant of David who is ready to speak faith? And just as Joram is getting into his, his, his best paranoid character, he's all whipped up into a paranoid frenzy. But Jehoshaphat, descendant of David, interrupts him and simply says, Is there not a man of God? Is there not a prophet of the Lord? See, I know what all the media is saying. I know what the news is saying. But what I want to know is what is God saying? I want to know, is there not a preacher in the land? Some of you need to get some David DNA in you today. Stand up and interrupt Joram and say, I don't care what the world has to say. I want to know what is God saying. He interrupts the son of a prophet killer to announce the solution to our problem is a prophet. Amen. I think it'd be great if some of you right now, that voice of the enemy gets in your head uh, and says, oh, that preacher's careless. He's reckless. He's just, he's going to get people hurt. He's going to get people killed preaching all this faith stuff. I wish you'd get a little David DNA in you uh, that would rise up and say, shut up, Joram. I'm here to listen to what God has to say. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Come on, child of God. What DNA do you have? Whose DNA do you have? 
The solution to our problem is a preacher. The solution to what our world is going through right now is a preacher. I'm not talking about myself in specific. I'm talking about a man that will stand behind a desk and will preach to you what thus saith the Lord. And we got too many saints sitting in too many churches that you love your preacher as long as he lines up with your favorite newscast. But as soon as he deviates from that, you want to kill the preacher. I want to tell you today that your preacher is greater than your newscast, that your preacher is greater than your news station, that what God is saying is greater than what D.C. is saying. Does anybody want to know what God has to say today? Does anybody want to know what God is saying? Come on, that's it. Interrupt. I, I feel the Holy Ghost. Interrupt that Joram spirit right now. I need somebody that's got some faith, somebody that's got some David DNA that will interrupt the voice of Joram. Shut up, Joram. My family is not going to live by fear. Shut up, Joram. My family is not going to be controlled by fear. I've come today to challenge you. I love the faith over fear shirts. But I've come to you today to challenge you to let your faith interrupt your fear. Amen. Stop letting your fear be in the loudest voice in the room. It's time to give the microphone. It's time to give faith the microphone. Come on, Jehoshaphat. What do you have to say? What, what does the prophet have to say about this? Come on, come on, Joram. I know you think the answer is we're all going to die, but I happen to know the answer. I'm a descendant of David, and I happen to know when David needed something, he called for the prophet. When David went in a difficult place, he called for the man of God. And every time God brought him out, what we need right now is an anointed man of God. I wish somebody give God praise right now. I wish you'd let your faith interrupt your fear. I wish you'd let your faith interrupt your fear. Somebody say, shut up, Joram. What? What does the man of God have to say about this? I know. I'm going to tell you what the man of God had to say about this. I know the last three months have been a dry season. My wife talked about it last Sunday. Brother Roberts talked about it Wednesday. I'm talking about it today. We've all been in the wilderness of Edom together. And understand, Edom, the wilderness of Edom, sometimes I think when we think of wilderness, we think of, you know, like a, a, a forest with greenery and, and streams running through it. It wasn't that kind of wilderness. It was a barren wilderness. It was a desert they were making their way through. It was a dry place, and we've all... Been, that, that's the thing about what we're facing right now is we're all going through it together. There's not somebody over here that's been going through it and somebody over there that, 
You know, sometimes it's that somebody over here is getting a pay raise and somebody over there is getting a pay cut. But we're all going in, we're all walking through the same wilderness together. And it would be easy in the middle of this dry season, dry mentally, dry emotionally, dry spiritually. Amen. It's just how many of you have felt that dryness emotionally? Spiritually. Amen. Mentally, just uh, that dryness. And it would be easy in the middle of this dry season. When you realize that you've run out of water, when it's been a while since you felt the rainfall, when it's been a good while since you felt that coolness of the water rush up against your parched lips, it would be easy in this hour to speak death over your situation. It would be easy in this hour to sow seeds of fear into your family that will reap generations of harvest. I want you to understand that this morning. Listen to this preacher. After I'm done here today, you can kill me off and find you another one if you want to, but listen to me right now. Some of you have let fear invade your family, and you think it will end when COVID ends. It will end when what we're going through ends. It doesn't end there. You are putting seed in the ground. And that seed that you are placing in the ground of fear right now is going to show up in your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. You better shut Joram up while you've got a chance. You better interrupt Joram while you can. It would be easy right now to give Joram the platform, to just let Joram go on. But I wonder if there is a descendant of David, somebody with the DNA of a giant slayer in the house that would stand in their spirit and say, Joram, shut your mouth. Amen. I know, Joram, that the last three months have been dry. Amen. But, Joram, you don't have the final say. Jehovah has the final say. My God has the final say. The King of Kings. We're not all going to die. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. And oh, by the way, when I die, hallelujah. I hear Joram right now. Oh, that's reckless, preacher. You're going to get somebody killed. Shut up, Joram. It's Jehoshaphat's turn now. Let's find out what God has to say. Joram, you don't have the final say. My God has the final say. The King of Kings has the final say. Hallelujah. Jehoshaphat has the final say. David's DNA has the final say. David's giant slayers have the final say. And in verse 12, the three kings go down to visit the man of God. And Elisha, when they come to see him, Elisha says to Joram, I mean, he's pretty rude in it. I mean, you, we, we, you know, we're in a politically correct hour where you got to be careful what you say. But Elisha was not in a politically correct hour. He walks up to Joram and says, what do, I, what do I have to do with you? Chump, who are you? I got nothing to say to you. That's what he says. Amen. He, he says, I've got no word for you. You need to understand this. 
Amen. If, if you are in a Joram mindset, if you're in a mindset that, it, that we're all going to die, the prophet, the preacher has no word for you. Pastor, you better have a word for me today. I will when you tell Joram to shut up. As long as you keep letting Joram speak in your world, I've got nothing to say to you. As long as you're being bound and controlled by fear, I don't have a word for you. But if you get some David DNA in your blood and stand up and say, shut up, Joram, I want to tell you God will open the mouth of the prophet. God will open the voice of the preacher. says, I got nothing to say to you. Nothing to say to you, Joram. But he says, for the sake of Jehoshaphat, for the sake of David's DNA, for the sake of the king of Judah, I'm going to speak what thus saith the Lord. You better be thankful. All your friends better be thankful they're connected to you. You hear me right now? I know the church is being... Uh, attacked right now. The church is being made to look really evil in this hour. But every friend of yours that think the church is the worst thing in the world, they better thank God every night they go to bed that they're connected to you. They better wake up in the morning and the first thing out of their mouth better be thanking God they're connected to you. Because the only reason God can speak to them is because they're connected to you. First thing the preacher says is, bring me a musician. Bring me, I was so glad this morning when that praise, it was a little tight in here when we got started. But when it's been a while since there's been rain, when it's been a while since there's been water in the land, when it's been a while since there was river in the desert, when it's been a while since there was rain in the wilderness, never underestimate the power of a song when water is what you need. And the prophet said, if we need water, then the first thing I'm going to need is I need a minstrel. I need a praiser. I need a worshiper. If you want water in your barren land, you better get a song in your spirit. You better get a song in your soul. When it's been a while since there was rain in the desert, the first thing we need is a minstrel. We need an atmosphere of praise and worship in the building. If you're thinking we're going to come and play Patsy Cake because there's a virus in the air, you better guess again. It's the best time to give God praise. Now is not the time to hang your harp on the willow. I'm, I'm watching some of you get COVID-19 dignified. This is what Joram said we got to do right now. The devil is a lie. Show me anywhere in this book. Show me one place in this book that what you're going through gives you a right to give God leftover worship and second best praise.
If you give me one example, I'll shut my mouth and sit down. But until then, I will bless the Lord at all times. Joram, shut up. Come on, somebody. It's time to give God praise. It's time to get a song in your spirit. Somebody stand on your feet and give God praise right now. Somebody lift up your hands and give God some praise. Bring me a minstrel. Bring me a worshiper. Hold on a second. Let me tell you. Dads, you want to move a God in your family right now, you need to be the example in worship. Well, pastor, it's just a dry season right now. Let me tell you the first thing you need to do in a dry season is call for a minstrel. I, I need somebody to lead me into the presence of God. I, I need somebody to, to play the harp so that I can sing a new song. Open your mouth. Open your mouth and sing. Open your mouth and declare the goodness of God. Bring me a minstrel. somebody pastor I don't agree with you pastor I, I think you're I think you're leading the church in a dangerous direction I know I know who you're a descendant of by the way you speak you're one of those preacher killers that believes what the media I wish some of you in this season God would give you media faith Media faith is what I call it. It's when you believe everything you hear. I, I wish you'd believe the Word of God as much as you do what you hear on the news. Shut up, Joram. Bring me a minstrel. Bring me a psalmist. Bring me a worship team. Bring me a drummer. Bring me a keyboardist. Bring me a guitar player. I've got to get out of this dry season. It was David who said, as the deer pants for the water brook. He, he sang this as a song. This was a song that the greatest minstrel in the Bible ever sang. He said, as the deer pants for the water, in a dry season, I'm going to sing a song. In a dry season, I'm going to talk about a deer that is thirsty for the water, and so my soul thirsts for you, God. Never underestimate a song in a dry season. It was the dry, it was the song that drove the evil spirits off of Saul. 
They called in David in the role of a minstrel, and he began to play that harp. And as he did, evil spirits were driven from Saul. Some of you have been battling evil spirits during these last four months. You've been battling suicidal thoughts. You've been battling anxiety, discouragement, worry, fear. You've been battling all of that. Let me tell you what the first thing you need to do is bring me a minstrel. Various states are making ordinances, executive orders that churches can't sing during this time. And I just want to give you a fair heads up warning that if Maryland puts out that directive, we will not stop singing. We will not stop singing. I will comply. I will comply until they violate the word of God. But my Bible tells me, sing unto the Lord a new song. So shut up, Joram, and bring me a minstrel. I know y'all are ready to roll, but hold on, give me a minute. I got to at least get to the title of my sermon. I'm almost there you're good the second thing that Elisha does the prophet after Jehoshaphat says shut up Joram I like saying that shut up Joram the prophet says now make this valley full of ditches now ditches are not little holes in the ground but the original Hebrew word that was used there would have been translated into a cistern or a trench that was dug for the specific purpose of holding water. Verse number 17, he says this, if you will dig ditches, if you will make this valley full of ditches, he says this, he says you will not see the wind, Brother Roberts, and you won't even see the rain, but the valley shall be filled with water. ye may drink God says I'll take care of the water don't worry I've got my side of this handled water is coming I know living hope that you've been in a dry season I know you living hope that we are in a dry nation right now I know that right now things around us are barren I know right now that Joram is jabbering, but don't you worry because verse 18 says supplying the water is but a light thing. Tell your neighbor, fixing your problem is not stressing God out. Maggie Marie. The dry season you're in right now is not stressing God out. God could snap his fingers right now. Right now, right, right now, God could, right now, God could speak. Right now, God could move. Right now, God could move and your family be restored. It's not a hard thing for God. Don't forget I'm the same God who in the beginning said, let there be and there 
every water was formed. Don't forget I'm the God who opened up the heavens and for 40 days and nights it did nothing but rain. Supplying the water for your dry season is a light thing for God. How many of you got stressed when you put your shoe on this morning? I mean, just overly stressed. Like, I don't know if I, I'm, I, like Joram stressed. Like, I'm going to die. I can't get this. It's not a hard thing. That's what providing water for you in your dry season is for God. It's not hard for Him. Supplying the water is the easy part. The difficult part of the equation is not the water. The difficult part of the wall of the equation is your faith and your expectation. God is saying, don't worry, I'm going to bring the water. But if you don't have enough faith to dig ditches in a dry season, then the water will be nothing but waste. Don't you worry, I'll hold up my end of the bargain. But whether you're drinking water or walking in mud, it's going to be determined by your faith. If you don't dig cisterns, my provision will be waste in your life. Let me just pause here. If you don't have enough faith to call for a minstrel, those of you that think you're going to bah humbug your way into a breakthrough, you ain't never going to get to digging ditches. Some of you sitting there staring at me like a miracle is going to pop out of my forehead. But he said, if, if you will dig ditches, there will be enough water for you and for your beast and for the animals following your beast. But you got to have enough faith in the middle of your dry season to get you a shovel and say, God, I'm expecting water. God, I'm expecting a breakthrough. Can you dig it? I want to know, can you dig it in a dry season? Can you dig it when there is no water to be found? prophet says not only that but if you will dig ditches if you will provide a demonstration of your expectation if you will supply an expression of your faith see it's easy to say yeah God I believe it's going to rain yeah God I believe you're going to send water he said no not, not, not this time I want to know here's the deal I'm going to do my part but what you do on your end is going to decide whether, is, whether this is provision that satisfies or waste that irritates. And a lot of times God moves in our lives and because we, we didn't prepare ourselves for it, it irritates us what God sends. He said, not only am I going to overwhelm you with water, but I'm also going to overthrow your enemies. All of that, if you will simply have enough faith to get your shovel out in a dry season and begin digging you some ditches. I'm gonna bring water for you to drink, for your animals to drink, and I will overthrow your enemies. Stand with me. Stand with me, please. All right. Living Hope, 
It's ditch digging season. Now we've been singing for faith about 34 years. Or we've been singing about faith for 34 years. In fact, this building. Anybody remember what our building campaign was? Forward in faith. Faith is one of those things. It's easy to talk the talk. But now we get to walk the walk. So somebody's got to get something in your spirit that says, Shut up, Joram. Shut your mouth, every descendant of Jezebel. Every prognosticator of paranoia, shut your mouth. Amen. I don't have time to listen to your everybody's going to die negativity. I'm going to start building me ditches in the valley. I'm going to start digging me ditches in the wilderness. I'm going to start digging me ditches in a dry season because I believe my God is bringing rain. you raise your hands at me water living hope water is coming hear me I know I don't have all the graphics of Fox News to show you there's a headline breaking news story right now to get you all glued to the screen but hear me right now water is coming your dry season is not a hard thing for God Bible says that next morning the valley was flooded with water. Every ditch that they had digged or dug filled with water. Water to the brim. Brother Roberts, if they hadn't dug the ditches, that water would have passed them by. It would have just been an irritation. Man, if, if only we would have been awake in the midnight, we would have got a drink of water. But because they dug ditches, there was water for them in the morning. The result, the enemy, the Bible says, the enemy comes and they look out over the valley. And from their vantage point in that rising sun, rising in the horizon, they say the water looks like blood to them. They didn't know there were cisterns that had been dug there. Now as they step out, they see pools of blood throughout the valley. And now the enemy puts their swords back into their sheath because they're not ready for battle. They think that the three armies have turned against each other. And so now instead of running down into battle, they put their swords back in the sheath and they simply run to pick up the spoils. And then the church rises up. When they run down to the field, can I tell you right now, the devil thinks the church is finished. Some of you are looking at me right now with a funny look on your face. I'm telling you right now that the devil thinks that the church is done. He thinks the church has entered into a season of fear. He thinks that the church, that miracle signs and wonders are in our past. That revival and church growth are yesterday's news. And so the devil is putting his, his sword in the sheath and he's coming to gather the spoils. But I believe once again the enemy has misjudged his opponent. I believe one more time. I believe one more time the enemy has mistaken his opponent. All the mess that is going on has caused the enemy to think that faith has been defeated and the kingdom of God has been weakened. And so the enemy has hosted his weapon and he's coming in to gather the spoil. But devil, what you thought was blood, what you thought was the church bleeding, was just the church being renewed. What you thought was the church bleeding, 
So Joram, shut your mouth. Bring me a minstrel. Devil, what you thought was blood was really just water. And what you thought destroyed us has really just refreshed us. For upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Raise your hands with me. I know that the enemy thinks that he has the church worn down. Let me tell you right now, I know what I feel in the Holy Ghost. Dads, moms, you've been feeling some spiritual activity in your home. You can't put your finger on it. Let me tell you what it is. It's an enemy who's come to gather the spoils. He thinks that you've been distracted by fear. He thinks that you put your harp on the willow because you think God neglected you and left you to die. So what you're feeling going on in your home right now is an enemy who's coming to take the spoils. Let me tell you what the spoils are. They're your children. It's your peace. It's your joy. It's your holiness. It's your righteous living. It's your godly conversation. And if the watchman of the house would have not been sleeping, he would have risen up and said, get out of my house. Get your hands off my children. Get your hands off my family. I'm going to tell you what the enemy is going to find. He thinks he sees blood when he looks out the Alberti home. He's looking from a distance and he thinks he sees blood, so he's coming to get Chi-Chi. And he's coming to grab Izzy and he's coming to take Ava and he's coming to take Emmy. But what he's going to find when he gets there, it wasn't blood at all. It was water. Come on, somebody, in the name of Jesus. I need somebody to raise your hands right now and say, devil, you cannot have my family. It's time to stop talking faith and it's time to start digging ditches. It's time to stop talking faith and it's time to dig ditches. It's time to pray like you've never prayed. It's time to fast and believe. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you.